This episode of On the Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles curbside pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey, everybody. Mike Griffith here. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beat. Glad to be back with you. And, uh, you know, Georgia will get ready for bowl, the bowl game starting tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be like the first like real full practice. Last week, there was some workouts, some seven on seven strength coaches, some running around. Too early to tell what's going to happen with these Georgia Bulldogs. But I think we could say that this is going to be a pivotal time, not just this season, not just towards the college football playoff, but I think the future of Georgia is really on the line here with a lot of the decisions that Kirby Smart has in front of him. This is going to be a very fragile and delicate time. I've never seen it like this in terms of the whole Wild West, you know, I mean, players transferring all over the country, coaches leaving, dancing for videos, NIL dealings behind the scenes. You know, these players are being offered money and NIL deals to go different places. Uh, This is just a really chaotic time. And I think the program that handles it the best is going to win the college football championship. It's almost as if the regular season just gets you here, right? You get to the final four, and then it's the team that can hold it together the most. The team that can stay unified, the team that has momentum, the team that knows their identity and is all in. And I'll be honest with you. I think the odds are against Georgia. I think Kirby Smart has to do one of the best coaching jobs of his career if Georgia is to win the national championship. I really do. Notre Dame lost its conference championship game last year to Clemson, got eliminated right off the bat against Alabama. Now, I can't say that's because the Irish were coming off of a loss because that Alabama team was historically good, as we recall. But Georgia will have to do something that has never been done if they're going to win a national championship, and that's to bounce back from a conference championship game lost. Listen, you've been chewing on it. I've been chewing on it. Anybody that's close to Georgia football has been chewing on that Alabama loss and that breakdown, and you've seen all sorts of things on the Internet. I have seen so many rumors and so many things that I know not to be true, and frankly, it's – It's disappointing is probably the nicest word I can use. When things don't fit the narrative for someone, they make things up or they fill in the blanks. Well, this doesn't make sense to me. So therefore, this must be the case. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. I understand why people do it. And I also, by the way, understand why people question the media. Because we're in a world right now, and and I don't need to give up media in today's World 101 class here, but we're in a world right now where politically people have to challenge the narrative based on what the channel they're watching is, right? And you know that, and I know that. We're not going to sit here and be naive. There's people that think CNN reports things a certain way versus MSNBC versus Fox, and, you know, who are they affiliated with? So I get that. I understand why people are skeptical of the media. I want to say that right out out of the gate. You know, I come to you as somebody 
you know, I've covered what four or five different programs. I, I got hired for this opportunity, you know, based on the way I've covered other programs. And there's a fine line between reporting and giving opinions. And it used to be that the beat reporter did nothing but just give you give you the facts. Here's what Kirby said, said so-and-so, said so-and-so, said so-and-so. Well, now you all see that. You all hear that. You can see the videos. We post them on our Dog Nation YouTube channel. And if you haven't discovered that yet, you need to. You need to go to YouTube and you need to go to Dog Nation. And you'll see just all these videos, not just of Dog Nation Daily or Connor and Coverage or Centel's Intel or Cover 4 or my Monday show. But all those player interviews, all those Kirby Smart interviews, they're all there. So you all see that. So what are we here for? At least what am I here for? Well, it's to provide some context and some opinion. Now, in addition to covering those Kirby Smart press conferences, right, I talk to parents of players and I talk to NFL scouts and I talk to former coaches who are still connected to the business and who can look at the Georgia situation and say, this looks a lot like. And I get all those opinions and I mix that with my experiences and the places I've been. And you get a pretty good read and you can kind of see what's going on. And right now, uh, there's a lot of upheaval going on in Georgia. That's what happens when you lose 41 to 24 to a team that you're better than, that you're more seasoned than. Now, listen, Kirby Smart is not the first coach to be out, out coached by Nick Saban. Alabama did a tremendous job rising from the depths. I Again, not a newsflash to any of you. You all saw that game a week ago. But what we're dealing with now is the aftermath and the damage control. And this is where the leadership that Kirby talked about all year long, guys like Jamari Salyer, N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Kiaris Jackson. These, this is a time when these players have to make sure that everybody's on the same page and united. And I don't think they are yet. I think that needs to happen over the next two weeks. So I've said today, I did. I do a couple shows every Monday. I do a show on Atlanta at 8 o'clock. I do the Athens ref at about 8.40. And I said the two most important things for Georgia right now as they get ready for this bowl and for the window of the future are going to be personnel decisions and focus. And Kirby Smart and his staff need to make personnel decisions that this football team believes in, that everybody can get behind, that's going to make Georgia feel like they've got a chance if they play Michigan again. Because quite frankly, last Saturday night was humbling, okay? It was humbling for Georgia. It's not that those players didn't play hard. It's not that they took it easy. That's not what happened. They played every bit as hard and gave every bit as much effort as they have every game this year. They were outcoached and they were outschemed. And they need to know that they're going to have a plan that they believe in. And they need to kind of get it together one more time. This 12-0 season was historically great. It was amazing. It was unprecedented in modern era football. You had to go back to 1986 Oklahoma to find another program that gave up fewer than 6.9 points per game, which the Georgia defense did. They earned that. That was some great football played by Georgia. But things have changed since October. And Adam Anderson's not out there anymore. 
and he was a tremendous pass rusher. And I think Adam Anderson would have helped out a great deal against Bryce Young. The offensive personnel has changed. George Pickens is back. Dominic Blaylock is back. Darnell Washington is closer to 100%. So while your defense has gotten weaker, the Adam Anderson loss was big. There's just no denying it. Tyke Smith never came along. He was back for one game and he was out. And this star position, this fifth DB position, and the cornerbacks have been masked and covered up by tremendous front seven play all year long. Alabama showed they can expose them. Michigan has an offensive line that is going to get some push on this front seven. They don't throw the ball a lot. They're very effective when they do. They're very explosive when they do. Michigan leads the nation and plays over 50, 60, and 70 yards this year. So when they go deep, they go really deep. Harbaugh has an offensive scheme somewhat similar to what you've seen Stetson Bennett run. They like to run power, and they like to run play action. And they're very efficient, and they're very physical. And if they can get Georgia into a smash-mouth fourth-quarter game, it will be mission accomplished for Michigan. That's what they want. They want Georgia to line up in butt heads. Okay? They have a very good defense, a very good front seven. They rank number 22 in the country against the run. If they can take the Georgia run game away and put Georgia in third down and long situations, a lot's going to ride on who's playing quarterback. That's why people are talking about it. Now, I understand that there's an, uh, a faction of Georgia fans that say, well, the defense, it's the defense. Look, it's not realistic to think you're going to hold every team under 17 points in today's era of college football. What Georgia did during the regular season was an outlier. Nobody else had done that, again, since 1986. And you're not the same team you were without Adam Anderson. And Alabama exploited that. Now, I've heard people say, well, again, you know, when AM beat Alabama, they scored 41 points. Okay, so 24 points isn't going to beat Alabama. You need to accept that. So, unless Kirby can pull some guys out on defense that we haven't seen, he can't. Something's got to change on offense. And I think what needs to change is the approach. I think Georgia needs to go multi-receiver set and find a way to get George Pickens involved, find a way to get Darnell Washington more involved, and continue to use Brock Bowers on those third downs. But the third down efficiency rate has to improve drastically because if George is not able to convert on third downs, Michigan's going to own that game. They're going to they're going to win the clock. They're going to run the football effectively, and they're going to wear down the Georgia defense like Alabama did. That's what happened. All right. And the people are in denial that are saying, you know, I read somebody, well, Georgia did whatever they wanted between the 20s on offense. No, they didn't. They were three of 12 on third down. They turned the ball over on fourth down twice. And there were two interceptions. It's okay to say that Stetson Bennett didn't play well. He didn't. He did not play well, period. That you, you, can, you can't change that, okay? Stetson would tell you he didn't play well. Kirby will say you got to fix some things. Well, maybe he does. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Is he going to try to stick with what he's been doing and fix the interceptions and the inability to complete the ball outside the hashes or downfield because Georgia only completed one pass that they threw more than 20 yards? 
Or does he make the change? Does he put JT back there and go back to Munkin's pro-style spread air raid offense? And I don't know. Is JT going to be rusty? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He's been practicing. I know the last time he had a long layoff uh, before the Mississippi State game, he hadn't played in a game in a year and a half. He threw for 400 yards. Now, Michigan's not Michigan's Mississippi State, but they are a good defense. And um, I think Kirby's got some very important decisions. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what those wide receivers think, what those running backs think, and what that defense thinks. Do they believe in the guy pulling the trigger at quarterback? Let's just cut to the chase. Because if you don't believe in your quarterback, you ain't winning. Period. Now, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I've heard, you know, Nolan Smith stood up after whatever game and said, yeah, you know, we, we believe in Stetson. He stood up after the last game and said the defense gave up 31 points, which means he didn't accept the 41. Like, those weren't our points. That's the offense. So I'm, I'm seeing signs. I'm hearing things. Listen, this is the truth. There's no reason to deny it. People heard that there were players on the sideline that wanted JT Daniels in the game. That shouldn't surprise anybody. That was an emotional time. That was a frustrating time. Uh, of course, they wanted to change. Fans in the stands wanted to change. That doesn't mean that would have been the right thing. But if you think that players didn't want an opportunity to come back and win that game, then you're mistaken. And I think it'd be if, if, if people didn't care and didn't say anything, that would have been more surprising, right? So, uh, but, but again, Kirby's been managing football a long time. His leadership council and his coaches will take a pulse on the team. He'll watch practice and he'll evaluate and he'll decide what he thinks is best. That's what he gets paid $7 million a year to do. I don't know why he didn't make a change. You don't know why he didn't make a change. Alabama doesn't know why he didn't make a change. NFL people don't know why he didn't make a change. But Kirby had his reasons. Now, I can tell you why it wasn't. JT is healthy. There's nothing wrong with JT Daniels. Last time I checked, he's all in on Georgia. I don't know what the next two or three weeks are going to bring for JT, for Beck, for Vandegrift, for the portal, for Stetson. It's wide open. I don't know what's going to happen because it's fluid. There's not a right answer right now. None of us know because it's going to be based on circumstances. It's going to be based on the decisions that Kirby Smart makes, and he has not had to make any decisions yet. And if I know Kirby right after four years of covering him, Kirby's going to take his time making this decision. He's going to play his hand out. And he's going to let this thing play out. That's how he got to where he's at. Not by being stubborn. Not by sticking his head in the sand and being in denial. That's not how he got here. Kirby Smart got here by being the guy that says, if it ain't broke, find a way to make it better. Now, that said, he does value continuity at the quarterback position. He said that last spring with JT. That was the big benefit was carrying a quarterback through last season into the spring that he had the previous year and had that continuity. And the whole offseason, it was about JT Daniels until JT got hurt. And then you look around the room and there weren't any receivers. So he made a quarterback change to put a healthy guy in there 
who could run the ball and bring some mobility since they didn't have the perimeter threats. Early in the year, people bring up the Clemson game. Early in the year, Kiaris Jackson was not playing receiver in that game. Jermaine Burton had missed two-thirds of the fall. Ladd McConkey had never caught a pass at the collegiate level. Brock Bowers had never caught a pass at the collegiate level. Uh, A.D. Mitchell had never caught a pass at the collegiate level. I think Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint had three catches. That's who your receiving core was against Clemson, which was one of the top and is still one of the top defenses in the country. And, oh, by the way, as Kirby said, they changed it up. The game plan changed. They didn't play Georgia like they thought they were going to get played. So a lot of the game plan was drawn up for a lot of pressures and man coverage, and that's not what Clemson did. And adjusting is hard to do with young receivers. And then it became a game of keep away and field position. And it turned into a slugfest. It was a classic game. It's sad to me that people want to discount that game and want to pretend like it didn't matter because Clemson lost three games this year. Let me tell you, that was a big-time game between two top five teams. And I don't know if Clemson would have won that game, who's to say they they wouldn't have gone undefeated? So much happens based on the results of one game in terms of momentum, in terms of the confidence that people have in their team. Injuries happened in that game. I just don't want to see Georgia fans cheapen that win because we spent the whole offseason building up to that game. Kirby and his staff invested so much time into that game, and so did Clemson. I mean, that was a tremendous football game. And uh, anybody that cheapens it is really cheating themselves. That was a great win for Georgia. That is a great rivalry. There was tremendous pageantry, the fans, the tailgating scene. If you were in Charlotte that night, that was a cool game. And I've covered a lot of games over the last 29 years. And that was one of the best that I'd seen. I loved it. Incredibly dramatic and close. And the way it turned out after that doesn't matter. They were both undefeated. They were both top five at the time. Now, obviously, things change, right? Maybe Clemson people say, oh, wow, we lost to a Georgia team that lost to Alabama by 17. You'd go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's revisionist history. But but that's the nature, right? That's the nature of what people do is, is they try to you know build their argument by using revisionist history. For example, when I did the fine bomb show earlier this week, or excuse me, I guess it was last week now, and you know, we were going down the road of why Kirby didn't play JT Daniels in the second half of that game. And Feinbaum brought it back to Fromm Fields. And I said, Whoa, whoa, let's not let's not go revisionist history. You know, Kirby didn't, you know, Kirby and Georgia were gonna play a veteran guy who knew the whole playbook over a true freshman who could only make one read and go. They had to protect Justin from himself. Justin had a tendency to tuck and run after one read as a true freshman. He's a grown man now. The guy that you saw play the Green Bay Packers last night is not the same guy that was playing for Georgia in 2018 or the guy that was playing at Ohio State for that matter. Players change. They get better. Okay, Tom Brady was on the bench in 1997 behind Brian Greasy when Michigan won the national title. And it's not because Lloyd Carr was dumb. It's because Tom Brady wasn't the same guy as a sophomore at Michigan as he was with the New England Patriots or now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So when people play this revisionist history game, it doesn't work. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that Kirby Smart can't manage quarterbacks because of Fromm Fields. That's To me, that's no evidence. I, 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 I could defend that all night. There's always going to be a faction of people that are, that are going to be upset about that. But based on what I know and what I saw and what I covered, I think he'd been crazy to make a move uh, at that position. Justin wasn't ready. 
and it wouldn't have been fair to Justin. People, oh, put him in at LSU. Oh, yeah, put him in on the road when you're trailing against a team that's kicking your butt at the line of scrimmage. That would have been real fair to do to a freshman. I mean, come on. you got to protect these guys and put them in positions to have success. So put that to bed. This is different. JT Daniels is not a rookie. JT Daniels is a seasoned quarterback who is 7-0 for Georgia. All he's done is win. He played against Cincinnati with an offensive line that had three guys shuffled because Ben didn't play and they moved two other guys' position against an undefeated Cincinnati team that was really good in defense. They were top 10 in defense. And you're seeing how legit they are. I mean, Cincinnati defense is good. They went in and beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame more convincingly this year, by the way, than Georgia beat Notre Dame in 2019. So that was not a cheap gimme win. Georgia was missing a lot of guys in that game. Uh, five, six, seven guys were missing. And, you know, Burton played, but he'd missed some practices with, with COVID. Uh, James Cook was missing. The offensive line was shuffled. It took a last-minute drive. I think JT threw for almost 400 yards. There was a pick in the end zone. He got hit as he was throwing. He had one interception and two touchdowns or something like that. Not a bad performance. Um, but the biggest reason why he should have, in hindsight, I think, is because Georgia was in a four and five wide set, and that's JT Daniels football. Stetson's not that guy that's going to put it in a window. He's not going to play in the NFL. He's not going to get to the combine probably. I mean, it is what it is, right? Now, Kirby may have been protecting JT. Like this offense, you know, the way they practiced, the way they prepared, not going to stick JT in there in this situation, not fair. That may have been the logic. I don't know. But he's got a chance to hit the reset button now to look at what Michigan's defense does and to evaluate what he does with his offense. There'll be repercussions, of course. Who plays and who doesn't play is going to have something to do with who's on the roster next year. Look, this isn't rocket science. If George is not going to throw the football, receivers aren't going to want to stick around and play. They're not. If you're throwing it 16 or 17 times a game, you're not going to get guys to come here and, and run block for 35 runs and 17 passes a game. I don't think that's the direction Kirby wants to go, though. I think Kirby really does want to open it up. But I think he's got to have confidence that he's got the players to do that. He's got to have the receivers, which he didn't have at the beginning of the year. He's got to have the pass protection, which there were questions about at the beginning of the year. And he's got to have a healthy quarterback, which he didn't have most of the year. The fact that Stetson came in and moved the team mattered. That was continuity. That was confidence. Now what, right? Now what? That's kind of the question. Now what? So we'll see. We'll find out what happens. But it hasn't happened yet. Kirby's going to look at all this. He's going to take it all in. He's got to, you know, he's got to decide who he wants at quarterback next year. Is there a guy coming in the portal? Who's who's leaving? Who's staying? So far, nobody's in the portal. A lot of it's going to be determined by what happens the next two weeks. It's in Kirby's lap. I don't know about the coaching staff. The monk in front has been quiet. Is Todd Munkin coming back for another year? I think he is. Could Mike Bobo be a part of the staff? Perhaps. A quarterback's coach? Maybe. You know, there's all sorts of possibilities out there, and we can speculate all we want. But what we shouldn't do is make up rumors. And that's where I've been disappointed. 
I heard JT Daniels was depressed. JT Daniels was depressed when his best friend died of cancer in his 40s earlier this year. Kirby Smart was hurt and bothered when the motivational coach died right around the time of the Florida game. That was a guy that Kirby sent players to in the offseason leadership committee uh, for, for motivational reasons. Okay. When you lose a when you lose someone close to you, that hurts. Newsflash. The fact that JT was transparent about that is it's disappointing to me that people would take the ball and run with that and, and try to make JT out to be some head case. That's not where this is at. Okay. So that's bad information. And it's irresponsible for anybody to put that out there. And nobody with media credentials has done that, by the way. There's a lot of people that blog. I don't know. Maybe they kill bugs for a living during the day or deliver pizzas or babysit for their aunt. I don't know what they do. But the people that, that write the blogs, and there's some good writers out there, but there's some absolute trash out there. And it's unbelievably irresponsible. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. So, you know, buyer beware. Consider your source. But don't rumor monger. I don't think that's healthy for the Georgia fan base. I know it's not healthy for the players or their parents. It leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And it's not fair. It's not fair to put misinformation out there. But I see it all the time. And, and I guess part of it is the era that we're in with social media. People can put anything out there they want with zero accountability. That's the difference between professional media and bloggers. Now, the deal is this, and I said this last week, when there was a lot of people that were doubting Chip Tower's report on Dan Lanning. Chip's not out there to play a guessing game, and neither am I. We're there to bat a 1,000. Now, I'm not saying we're always right, but we're not writing something unless we're 1,000% right, okay? And you can be right on Friday and wrong on Saturday, by the way. If you've got a source that you know is trustworthy, you can go to the bank with them then you'll write it or say it. The player's calling for JT. I had three boosters tell me that and four parents tell me that. People that I've talked to for years and trust, they would not make that up. They would not and could not collaborate on that. So because I heard it from seven different people, I know it's true. I didn't go with it in print. I didn't go with it in a written format. Because I don't know that that's necessarily a story. It's not surprising to me. It happens in every game where players want a guy put in that they're trailing it. So to me, it's 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 a factor. It's something on the periphery that you consider. But I don't know that it's a headline, right? And so I didn't make it a headline. I, I shared it on Brandon Adams' show last week. I'll share it with you tonight. But I wouldn't say that just because, hey, I think I heard. No, no, no. These are people that I know. These are people that have never lied and have no reason to lie, okay? Chip, when he wrote that about Dan Lanning, had a solid source on it. He has no reason to just throw something out there randomly. If you got a source that you believe, you go with it. It's our business to report news. Nobody's trying to hurt anybody. No one's trying to help anybody. We're just trying to report news. What was disappointing was that there were other people in the media, particularly the national media and the Oregon media, that couldn't get it substantiated by their sources, and so they said it was false. And one person even tried to ridicule Chip. What an idiot. What a complete idiot. 
And then the person came back today and tried to say, oh, actually, the California coach got offered the job. Really? I don't know about you, but I ain't believing that the California coach would turn down Oregon. Because, listen, I've been to Cal and their Memorial Stadium, and it's cool, but it ain't Oregon. And anybody that would turn would turn down Oregon to stay with Cal Berkeley to be a football coach would need their head examined. So I don't believe that. I think that was a convenient narrative because someone got. So that's the stuff that I get upset about is when people erroneously try to shift the narrative or use in, incorrect re, in re, revisionist history. I look at it and say, look, let's just keep this straight. Let's just be honest about it. Let's just take this situation for what it is and move forward. Don't dwell on it. Move forward. Learn from it. Acknowledge it and move forward. A lot of people aren't able to do that. And that's disappointing. So uh, I want to reflect back. I've written some things this week. Uh, I want to go back to my three things that top Georgia's football list uh, entering the semifinals. And you can go back to this story that was posted uh, yesterday uh, George Pickens is the lead art uh, because I think George Pickens, George Pickens is amazing. Remember, it was just a couple years ago when he caught like 12 passes against Baylor. He's every bit as good now as he was then. He's six foot five. And George Pickens worked his tail off to get back to win a national championship. So if you're wondering why he's passionate, it's because he has worked his tail off over the last what? Eight months, nine months to come back from an ACL. Incredible that George stayed with the program, stayed dedicated, and is out there playing football. So number one, we already talked about it, the quarterback situation, the three things. The quarterback situation is a thing that you have to factor into this. Uh, you know, Kirby has maintained that he's going to evaluate it in practice. Uh, I believe that. Kirby said in an exclusive interview with ESPN in October that when they run the ball, that's Stetson. When they pass it, that's JT. Uh, some stats in there on uh, Stetson's mobility on third down runs. He's had 11 of them. Six times he made a first down. Five times he fell short. Uh, Stetson has been sacked six times. Uh, Stetson is 31% completing passes for first downs on third downs in SEC play. JT's only played three SEC teams. He's 90% though. One's better at the pass. One's better at running the play action game. Theoretically, at least... That, you know, that's the, the, the simplest breakdown I can give you. Um, the secondary, we talked about that earlier as well. The front seven is masked the secondary all year long. Uh, you know, Kirby's got what he's got. You lose eight guys from last year, and then you sustain injuries to Jalen Kimber, a projected cornerback, to Tyke Smith, the All-American from West Virginia. Uh, that's tough. You're basically down 10 guys from where you wanted to be. That includes the three transfers to FBS programs. I don't necessarily think Prather Hudson would have started, but I do think that Major Burns and Tyreek Stevenson would have helped out a lot. Uh, Bryce Young, 421 yards passing, SEC record against that secondary. And now Kirby has got to deal with Cade McDemir. And Cade McDemir is not Bryce Young in any respect. I don't think he's as good a quarterback. I don't think he's as accurate. And he certainly can't scramble. But what he does is take care of the football. He's not going to turn it over. Michigan is not going to give Georgia a short field, and a lot of teams have. They're going to make them earn it. So something to think about. Michigan, 21 plays over 40 yards this year. Georgia only has 12. That's 64th in the nation. So the people, you know, look at numbers and play the call quarterback rating and yards per pass. At the end of the day, you don't throw enough 
that your offense is, is, is explosive. I'll repeat that stat. Michigan has 21 plays over 40 yards. Georgia has 12. That's not a lot. Um, it's not a lot. Finally, the mindset, right? And this is where Kirby has got to do his thing. You know, Kirby's a younger coach. You see the way the team responds to him. Uh, you know, he's a former Bulldog himself. He's all in. Remember, we had Ben Cleveland on the show last year, and Ben said the guy can make you feel like you want to run through a brick wall. I still think Kirby has those motivational abilities, but it comes he's got to have the personnel. Think about all the distractions that Georgia had to overcome already this year, really from the start. Scott Cochran, you know, wasn't able to coach his position at the start of the year. That relationship, remember, Scott Cochran was brought in to be a relationship guy. And then all of a sudden he's not even with the team because he's dealing with personal problems. That's a jolt. A lot of players were bought into Scott Cochran. And all of a sudden he's just ripped away and gone before the season even starts. Eric Gilbert, a guy you bring in to be an impact guy, he has his personal issues that he has to deal with, and he's not with the team. Adam Anderson, a team captain. Adam Anderson was a team captain for the Florida game, and the next week he's suspended on charges of rape. These players were at his bail hearing. That's a distraction when your best friend is charged with rape and you're involved in his bail hearing. Uh, these are major league distractions that Georgia has overcome to this point. Dan Lanning, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to hurt as much as, as maybe it should, and here's what I mean by that. I think Dan Lanning is a fantastic coach. I think he's going to have great success at Oregon. I think it was a great hire by the Ducks. But because of Kirby's expertise, because of Will Muschamp's expertise, because of Schumann's expertise, I don't think it's as big a deal as maybe it, it should be because Dan is a great football coach. But but Georgia has so much brain power on the defensive side of the ball. I just I just don't think it's going to be a big issue. Uh, but it's it is one more thing. It's not going to help. Okay, it's certainly not going to help. If anything, Dan's the one that's going to be burning twenty five out of twenty four hours a day because he's got one eye on the Oregon program and one eye on Georgia. That's going to be tough. You know, I think the bigger distraction. And this happened to Alabama, and Kirby was there for it when they lost to Ohio State. You have so many guys that are going to the NFL. I, I think between 12 and 15 guys are going to be drafted from Georgia uh, in this upcoming 2022 NFL draft. They're going to absolutely shatter the record they set last year with nine draft picks. And here's what happens. Human nature. This is human nature. The kids aren't doing anything wrong. It's just human nature when you're on the verge of making millions of dollars. Think about this. What if somebody told you that in a month you were going to be a millionaire? Would you live your life differently? Would you drive a little bit more careful? Right? Would you eat a little bit healthier? You know, would you be a little bit more self-aware because you were on the verge of this multi-million dollar deal? Of course you would. That's human nature. Don't you think when these players were away from the coaching staff, doing their finals, back home talking with parents, don't you think there was discussion about that? Of course there was. Don't you think that they're lining up coaches right now to help them with their speed training once the season's over in January? We're seeing the commitment to the All-Star Games, right? Of course they are. They've got agents now because they have NIL deals. There's all sorts of distractions for these players. They're going to have to get folk. And that's just human nature, just the nature of the beast. 
Meanwhile, Michigan, a team that's got tons of symmetry, or excuse me, synergy, a team that's got all this momentum, they're at a 24-year high. And the way I compare it is to Georgia's Rose Bowl of 2017. And remember all the momentum that Georgia had going into that Rose Bowl against Oklahoma? Michigan has every bit of that. And they have one of the largest fan bases in college football. They're going to outnumber Georgia two to one in the Orange Bowl, I believe. Right. I believe that I want to take a break here in a moment. And uh, in the second half of the show, I want to go over my stock report and I want to answer your questions. I like to be interactive uh, again. My opinions. Right. These are my opinions and I don't mind sharing them with you. Uh, it's what I get paid to do. I have a level of expertise from my years of experience. I'm not always right, but I'm, I'm always honest. And uh, that's what I'll bring you based on what I know, based on what I've heard, based on what I've seen. Um you know, I can spec. I can tell tell you the difference between speculation and truth. Uh, when I know something's right, I'll say I know this is true. And when I'm saying I'm speculating, I'll let you know that too, because you need to know the difference. There is a difference there. Uh, so if you give me just a moment, and Michael Carbell is my producer. I think Michael uh, Michael certainly knows what this time in our show is all about. We always thank our sponsors, Ingles. You know, because Ingles is the brand that we know we can count on. And in this day and age, when you've got something or someone that you know you can count on, there's a value to that because this is an uncertain society. And we've all been through this pandemic and we've all had our trying times where we've had to rely on someone or something. And it was so good and so refreshing to know that we could count on Ingles to be there with those frontline workers delivering our products in our biggest time of need every day. Let's take this moment now and recognize Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel free. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back. With open arms, heart to heart, hand in hand. Community strong. Uh, the Dog Nation community is about as strong as it gets. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really glad to be in front of you guys tonight, uh, sharing the message, sharing some thoughts, sharing some opinions with you. I hope you guys see those pictures of Coach Lanning and his family getting off that jet in Oregon. What a great new start for Dan Lanning. You know, this is four guys now that have coached under Kirby with head, head coaching jobs. And you better believe that the success that Sam Pittman's had that Mel Tucker's had and that Shane Beamer's had, you absolutely know that played into Oregon's decision to give Coach Lanning a shot. Uh, my stock report today, let's start out with Brock Bowers. I know we had him on our stock report last week, but when you catch 10 of 16 passes for 139 yards, granted, Alabama's pass defense is not good. They rank 61st in the country. Alabama got lit up by a lot of teams this year. Scoring 24 points on the Alabama defense is not a big deal this year. All you got to do is look at the track record. Florida, uh, uh, Texas A&M, I think Tennessee might have. Heck, Tennessee was neck and neck with Alabama through three quarters. But Bowers still, his performance, some of the catches he made, he made some incredible catches that uh, on balls that were not thrown accurately, bailout catches all year long, and certainly against Alabama. Uh, Brock did a great job. You know, there was one play – uh, you know, when I hear people say, well, he, he cut off his route. He, he sat in an empty zone. He didn't run into double coverage. 
you know, I think people need to understand uh, the difference. And, and you know, again, people shape it to fit their narrative. Jordan Davis, uh, look, we know that that wasn't Jordan's best game. Alabama schemed around him. They went sideline to sideline. They tired out Jordan Davis and the Georgia defensive line. Uh, but for Jordan to bring home the Benaric Award and the Outland Trophy, you know, he's the first SEC player in history to win both of those awards and only the third player ever joining in Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald. Uh, this is College Football Hall of Fame resume stuff for Jordan Davis. First team All-American, Outland Trophy, Bidneric Award. 15, 20 years from now, wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Davis. When we think about this Kirby Smart team this year that went 12-0, and Jordan Davis is the figurehead of that team. N'Kobe Dean as well, Bud Kiss Award winner, first team All-American. Give N'Kobe a lot of credit. Uh, N'Kobe is going to be vital to this team getting back on the same page over these next two weeks. He's a leader, as Kirby calls him, the commander-in-chief of the defense. Uh, so kudos to uh, N'Kobe Dean. Claude Felton, you know, you don't hear PR guys mixed in very often with players, but, uh, you know, you've got to give Claude credit uh, PR makes a difference in these awards. And I know that PR made a difference this year. So uh, a shout out to Claude Felton Lanning. You know, how could Lanning not be on the stock up? I mean, you're 35 years old and you get handled, handed the keys to the Nike kingdom out there with uh, Phil Knight, uh, the uh, co-founder and CEO of Nike, handpicking Dan Lanning, uh, that building they've got. They're getting ready to build a 170,000 foot indoor facility. They've already got a state of the art indoor facility. Uh, you know, Lanning just, I can't even imagine a job. I, I, this is, he, he outshot what I thought he would get. Um, love the Oregon job. Love the Dan Lanning hire. I think he's going to have success. Uh, he's a tireless recruiter. The question is, who does he bring with him? Who's leaving the Georgia staff? Uh, could there be players? Time will tell. George Pickens, nine months, you know, after tearing an ACL, uh, he's out there playing ball less than nine months. I mean, what a tremendous performance by George Pickens to be out there. You saw the catches he made. One was throwing a foot behind him. I don't know how he meant for it. The other one was throwing up in the air between two defenders. He went up and got it. Pickens is such a big-time receiver. You've you got to give him more than five targets, man, and you got to find a way that can get him the ball outside the hashes and stretch the field. It's as simple as that. If you don't use George Pickens, it's, it's going to be one of those lifelong, can you believe they had George Pickens and didn't use him more? Stock even. Uh, Zamir White, seven carries, 27 yards, two catches, 17 yards. Uh, not a dominant performance. I mean, I thought Zamir was solid. You know, Zamir is yet to, de to declare for the NFL draft. Is he coming back another year? I, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. I'm hearing that Zamir projects as a fourth or fifth-round NFL draft pick. Uh, he can improve that stock if he goes to the Senior Bowl, provided he gets an invite. Uh, he may already have one. Uh I don't think he wants to wait too long. There's other guys that want that opportunity. Uh, you'd like to see Zamir White get out in front of all these NFL people and show his stuff because he's a good kid. He's going to interview well. He's going to play hard. Looks good in person. A lot of what's going to happen for him will be at the Combine when he does that physical and they look at those knees. Uh, they really go over your physical report and your medical report very closely there. Uh, Jake Fromm. It's Jake Fromm. Hey, Jake Fromm dressed for his first NFL game. He didn't get to play, but he dressed. Right. So it's a step for Jake Fromm. So we threw him in there with a stock even. Uh, Jamari Salyer didn't necessarily have his best game against Bam. I thought he did a nice job on Will Anderson, but that that motion penalty was pretty costly. It took him from fourth and 10 to fourth and 15. And Kirby went from going for it to punting. I, I just that's not that's not a veteran move by Jamari. He's better than that. I think he was a little rusty 
Um, but he made second team all American. So congratulations to Jamari Salyer being a second team all American, despite missing four games, he's going to be important. Lad McConkey made the all SEC freshman team. I thought Lad was splendid this year. He got better and better and better and better. He's a different guy now than he was in that first game when he dropped that pass inside the five yard line from JT probably would have set up a touchdown. He doesn't drop that pass. Now he makes that play. I think Lad McConkey is a rising star. I think Lad McConkey is going to grow into a team captain and be a big part of the fabric of this team moving forward. Really like Lad McConkey. Others that made the, the All SEC freshman team: Ringo Bowers and uh, Broderick Jones, who I thought did a great job at left tackle while Jamari was out. Uh, the future is very bright for Broderick Jones at left tackle for Georgia, um, and that's the stock report. So uh, I've done a lot of talking. I'm going to look at, at some of your comments now you guys want to ask some questions, make some comments, um, this is a good time for us to interact. Uh, gladly answer your questions. Uh, it's amazing that Fromm played all those downs at UGA and he can't even see the field in the NFL. You know, you're not going to play ahead of Josh Allen, newsflash. I, I don't know who would have played ahead of Josh Allen. A lot of what happens in the NFL to quarterbacks is the kind of the luck of the draw where you get drafted and who you're behind. Does the guy get injured? Is it a good situation for you? You know, on the one hand, Buffalo loved Jake Fromm, but on the other hand, I thought it was a terrible fit. I don't think he's a, you know, Jake doesn't have big hands and there's inclement weather there and it's cold and he doesn't run the ball like Josh Allen. I didn't understand that draft pick, but they're paying him. So he was there, he marinated, and this year now he's with the Giants. He's behind Mike Glennon. There's about six or seven Georgia guys on that Giants team. This could be a better scenario for Jake. I was kind of hoping we'd get to see him against San Diego. We'll see. I think the jury's out on Jake and what he does in the NFL. Time will tell. Uh, other questions? Someone's William Morgan's calling for a Cincinnati upset at Alabama. I guess, you know, I, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I would just ask you based on what, right? Based on what? Uh, you know, Alabama is so explosive on offense, and I'm just not sure that Cincinnati – has the defensive front to handle Alabama's going to pound it with Brian Robinson. That was kind of a, that was one of the big upsets. A lot of people didn't talk about that. Part of the reason why I think myself and a lot of people thought Georgia would beat Alabama was we all thought Brian Robinson, their running back thousand yard back was out. He played, he's going to be three weeks healthier. Um, Alabama is going to, you know, challenge Cincinnati in some ways that they haven't been challenged. Now we all sat there and watched Cincinnati go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a good Georgia team, albeit Georgia was missing five or six guys. But still, uh, Des Ritter, a pretty talented quarterback. That's an interesting showdown. Bryce Young versus Desmond Ritter. I'd be more inclined to pick Cincinnati if this game was outside. But you put Bryce Young on a fast track indoors, and the way he can spot that ball, there's a difference between just throwing it in the direction of a guy and just spotting it like Bryce Young and, and other quarterbacks do. And uh, it makes all the difference in the world when you throw it over the correct shoulder of your receiver so they're not having to make diving catches and falling down, diving and lunging because the ball's not spotted where it needs to be, where they catch it in stride over the correct shoulder. You're not leading them into getting hit, you know, because your ball placement's inaccurate. Bryce is a surgeon. Putting Alabama indoors, they're going to be really tough to beat. Mechie or no Mechie. Uh, What other questions do we got here? Um, let's see here. Why does UGA only get 9,000 tickets? 
both teams have lower ticket allotments. A lot of those tickets are sold before the teams are even decided, right? Miami, a lot of corporate people down there. Um, you'll see there's going to be a lot of Michigan people there. A lot of Michigan people already live in Florida, the snowbirds, right? They, the more wealthy Michigan people, they go down there and they live there in the winter and they return to Michigan in the summer. Um, so that gives them a big advantage, number one. Number two, they're all in on this. I, I just don't think people understand that it's been 24 years for Michigan and they've got one of the top two or three fan bases in the country in terms of the size. It, it, it's, it's huge. So, again, Georgia fans have been wonderful. They've traveled incredibly well. But you're going up against a program with a lot of momentum. And there's a lot of Georgia fans I know that went all in at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And they didn't like what they saw. And they said, you know what? We're not going to spend the money to go to Miami. If Georgia gets to Indianapolis, I think you're going to see a lot of red. But I don't expect to see a Georgia takeover in Miami. I'd be shocked. And just I'm telling you, Michigan fills up 112,000 seats in Michigan Stadium every other weekend. Okay, this is a big fan base. And that in getting away from Michigan to Miami, that's pretty appetizing, too. And they believe they're going to win. They just beat Iowa 42 to three. And they beat Ohio State for the first time since 2011. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, boy, I hope that, you know, that's uh, any coaches leave with landing. I don't know. I don't know that. It's too early to speculate. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some, um, but I think the primary coaches will stay with Kirby. I think everybody kind of gets a bump up in salary. You know, Dan was making more money than anybody at 1.7 million. So I think you stay on staff and you make a little bit more money and you believe in the future of Georgia football. I think that's pretty strong. Mike Harvey wants to know about losing Schumann to Oregon. Uh, I don't know if you're Dan Schumann. Do you go to Oregon? I don't think so. I, I think Dan, I think Schumann, excuse me, I think Glenn Schumann is kind of the next landing. You know, he's 32 years old. Uh, he's a Kirby understudy. Kirby loves Shoe. Uh, the players love him. Uh, I, I think he's the next guy that's going to be getting that head coaching job in two, three years. He's the co-defensive coordinator now with Muschamp. You know, I wonder if Muschamp goes back and, and is a head coach again or not. I don't know if Will wants to be. I think he's kind of taking a couple of year to kind of marinate, collect himself, maybe get ready for maybe one more run as a head coach. You wonder that about Matt Luke as well. You wonder that about Todd Munkin. I wonder more about Munkin going back to the NFL. Listen, Munkin didn't come here to throw 15 passes a game. Munkin led, had a Tampa Bay offense that led the NFL in passing in 2018. This guy's a guru. And his pro-style air raid spread is was undefeated. When you've got somebody that can go to the line and make the right read and make all the throws, it's all it's virtually unstoppable. And, and you've seen that at times. Uh, but you got to have the right guy throwing it. That's why JT came out of the portal to come. I think that's why Munkin was interested in JT, even though at the time, remember, they had Jamie Newman uh, on the roster at that time. I think that Newman and Munkin uh, weren't a match. Uh, let's see here. Uh, tell Michigan <laughs> Uh, Mike, wouldn't JT be available for media days down in Miami? Uh, all the players will be available, but, but here's the thing, you know, the Georgia guys are, are kind of all in and they're going to support their head coach and they're going to support their teammates and nobody is going to be talking, uh, trash or talking bad or second guessing because that's not how Georgia does it. It's just not. And, uh, you know, that down the road, there may be tales or there may be. But I don't I don't think there's anything scandalous involved with this decision. 
I think it's simple as Kirby likes continuity. I think Stetson won Kirby's trust. And I think Kirby wanted to give Stetson every opportunity to win the game. And if Kirby believes that Stetson is a better matchup for Michigan than JT, he'll stick with him. If he believes that JT is a better matchup for Michigan than Stetson, he'll go with JT. It's just, you know, Kirby is all about winning. Now, you can disagree with Kirby. I can disagree with Kirby. But it's his program. And, and what he says goes at the end of the day. Um, ticket sales show 20%. Listen, I'm telling you, John Adams, don't buy that. Uh, Michigan fans are – there's going to be more Michigan fans in that stadium. You can take a look at ticket sales and seating. Uh, someone asking me again, is JT's parents holding him out? No, absolutely not. Zero. His doctors, he doesn't have doctors. His doctors are Ron Corson in Georgia. Uh, nobody's holding JT out. Nobody is holding JT out. People keep coming up again. This is what I'm talking about. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be more. It can't just be that Kirby. Listen, when you say that, you're disrespecting Stetson Bennett. You're disrespecting JT Daniels. I know you don't mean to because it seems to some like, well, gosh, JT's obviously a better thrower than Stetson, so why wouldn't he be in there? Well, in Kirby's mind, he's given Stetson an opportunity to finish that game, and you heard Kirby after the game. You just got to fix a couple things. Okay, in his mind, Stetson made a couple bad decisions. You know, people see the glass half. Again, these coaches, they see him every day in practice. We don't. We don't see him every day in practice. But I can tell you, nobody's holding JT out. JT wants to play at the University of Georgia. JT Daniels wants to be the Georgia quarterback now and next year. Now, Kirby may have a different plan, or there, or that may not be best for Georgia in Kirby's estimation. But this is all in Kirby Smart's hands. And, and there's people putting stuff out there that it's Todd Munkins. Listen, you're crazy and you know better. Kirby Smart does what he wants to do with his program. This is Kirby Smart's call, period. Stop making excuses. Stop trying to create things. These agenda, It's nuts. I see some of these other guys putting that stuff out there. I say, you don't even believe that. You really believe that Kirby go, boy, I really want JT, but if that's what Munkin wants, are you kidding me? This is a Kirby Smart call. This is Kirby's team, period, period. Simple as that. Uh, you know, you're, you know, what else we got? What other questions you got for me? I mean, just again, my opinions here based on what I know, based on what I think. Uh, Georgia is the old Alabama doughboy says in the sense of the offensive style. Uh, listen, this is where I think you need to give Kirby a break on the Stetson thing. When you've got a defense that's holding everybody to 17 and under and you're doing enough on offense to move the ball and you've got that rhythm going, you heard Kirby talk about that rhythm, it's really hard to make a change when you're winning every game by an average margin of 40 to 8 in SEC play. It's really hard to decide, you know what, this is working, but I'm going to make a change. You know, especially when, when you know, you've told Stetson, you know, you gave Stetson the Florida game for you. Know, Florida, you know, Stetson said, coach told me it was my game. And he stuck with him. Stetson was 10 and 19 with two interceptions for 161 yards against Florida. It was not a good performance, but Kirby stuck with him. That's loyalty. All right. And Georgia continued winning. It's hard to make a change when your average victory margin in the SEC is 40 to eight. Now, I don't know what if, what 
has gone through Kirby's mind in the last week. Think about how busy Kirby Smart must be, by the way. Flying all over the country, finishing up another top-notch class. Uh, you know, I don't even know if he's had a whole lot of time to put his mind toward that. Kirby is such a disciplined guy. One of the things that impresses me so much about Kirby Smart is the way he's able to compartmentalize and his time allocation. He's not a guy that wastes any time. He's not a guy that wastes time looking back. He's very analytical in his decisions. He's very strong-minded. I think that's helped get him where he's at. Can it work against him sometimes? Probably. I would say that that's true of all of us, though. Our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses. But I think that Kirby is going to get a pulse of his team. He's going to see how they respond to each quarterback in practice. He's going to talk to his coaches. He's going to talk to his leadership council. He's going to listen to players. And he's going to do, after he takes in all that information, He's going to do what he needs to do. Simple as that. Uh, and then uh, DSA1 says that's the problem, Mike. The defense held, which was good. Didn't put any quarterbacks in there to prepare them. Uh, why didn't court, Why didn't Kirby put in any quarterbacks uh, to give them reps to prepare them? Uh, that's a good question. You know, um, you know, he did play JT against Missouri. I think JT was 7 of 11, had a pass tipped at the line of scrimmage that was picked. Uh, then Stetson had a, a pick against Charleston Southern. He had a pass tipped at the line of scrimmage, intercepted on the first possession in Charleston Southern. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I know this, though. I know that Kirby values the game reps, and one of the things they've done more of this year is good on good. So he sees JT and Stett and Brock. Uh, and Carson some against an elite defense in practice. So I think there's more value to seeing what he does against Georgia than there is against Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech. Let's be honest, those were horrible football teams. I'm not so sure that didn't hurt Georgia, by the way. You know, you, you know, you get into that rhythm. I mean, Alabama had been getting into this. You know, I, I wrestled in high school. And, you know, you get used to wrestling a tough guy every day, and then you go out there on the mat and, and wrestle somebody that's not that tough. It's a piece of cake. But if you're wrestling a weak guy every day, like I would always wrestle up in practice because I wanted to wrestle a really rough guy, strong guy, so that when I would in matches, you know, I was used to that. If I was wrestling smaller, lighter guys, throwing them around, and then I went out there and faced a tougher guy, those moves aren't going to work. My leverage isn't going to be the same. I almost wonder, and I speculated this, and some people called me out for it, but I speculated at the time, I'm not so sure I mean, yeah, you get to rest some guys. And even Kirby said he felt like the team lost the rhythm that Charleston Southern week. He wasn't happy with the practices. They lost a little sense of urgency playing those cream puff games. Meanwhile, Alabama was slugging it out. Three games in a row divided by seven points or less against SEC teams. So, uh, you know, I, so I think the work that they get in practice probably served that purpose that you were talking about. Uh, pretty sure Stetson will not make the same mistakes he made in the SEC championship. He has something to prove now. I think Stetson's had something to prove his whole life, Steve. I mean, you know, Kirby Smart had him as the fourth best quarterback last, you know, two summers ago. Not me, not you, Kirby. Kirby had three guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Kirby had two guys ahead of him on the depth chart this year. Not me, not you, Kirby. So he's had something to prove his whole life. He's undersized. And his arm strength isn't the same as JT Daniels or Carson or Brock. Say what you want about it. It's, it's not. Is it adequate? Probably. Probably adequate. But there are probably some throws he's not comfortable making, specifically downfield outside the hashes. The numbers show that, right? You can tell who's being targeted. 
it is what it is. And, um, you know, will he make the same mistakes? Will he not? I, I don't know. I, I know that, you know, and maybe not. Maybe the third time's the charm, right? Lost to Alabama last year, lost to Alabama this year. Maybe the third time's the charm. But um, I don't know that. And that's for Kirby Smart to decide whether you give Stetson a third chance or whether you go with your, you know, JT. Um, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Uh, does JT play? What's your thoughts? I, I don't, Jess, I don't know because it's fluid. It's not determined yet. Um, you know, Kirby is going to evaluate this. He's going to make a read. He's going to listen to his team and he's going to do what's best because that's what he does from week to week. And, and he's going to tell us that. He, somebody's going to ask him and he's going to say, guys, I'm going to tell you the same thing I've been telling you every week. They're going to go out there. They're going to practice. They're going to compete. And I'm going to play the guy that I think gives us the best chance to win. That's what Kirby's going to say, because that's just Kirby. He's not going to have this grand epiphany and go, you know what, man, I blew it. You know, holy cow, why didn't I do that? That ain't coming. He's going to tell you, he's going to evaluate it, and he's going to make the best decision for the team. I don't know what Kirby's going to do. I don't want to uh, not give Kirby the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to say that Kirby's pigeonholed. I just don't think a guy gets to Kirby Smart's place in this business by being that stubborn or or narrow-minded to pick somebody just to pick somebody. And I've seen that suggested. And I, I just don't think that's got to be it. I think he's got to be able to look whoever the quarterback is in the eye and say, I'm playing the other guy because he's better than you. You know, Kirby doesn't make too many promises in recruiting, but the one thing he tells all these guys when he signs them is the best guy's going to play. And he's got to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, I'm playing the other guy because he's better than you. At the end of the day, Kirby Smart has to play the best guy. And that's the pledge that he makes. And that's what the players buy into. Because if you lose that, and if players don't believe that the best player is going to play, you're going to lose your locker room. And Kirby's not going to let that happen. Because one of the reasons why Georgia has won four out of the last five East Division championships is because they have a level of buy-in. That's the most important thing that Kirby Smart has going for him. Players being bought into Georgia because the things that are required to be a Georgia football player are, are tremendous. It's not easy. It's not for everyone. I've said that before. It takes a different level of commitment to be a Georgia football player than it does other programs. It is dog-eat-dog. Dog. They're bringing in talent behind you that are younger. They're bringing in guys in the portal. You've got to know that every day you go to work, your job's on the line. you got to be 15 minutes early or whatever it is. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. I mean, the standards and where Kirby sets the bar so high. And this is only Kirby's sixth year. So do I think Kirby's still evolving as a head coach? I do. Do I think he's still getting better as a head coach? Absolutely. Nick Saban, it took Nick Saban a while. I want to say seven years before he won his first national title. And this is six for Kirby, maybe maybe even more. Was it, was it 2003? So Saban's first year at MSU was what, 95? Is that right? So that would have been eight, nine years. You know, I think that Kirby will evolve more in areas of delegation uh, because he's, he's just he's up to his elbows in every part of the team. And I just don't think that pace is, is – I don't think you can keep it up. I mean, he works so hard. Um, so I think he'll, he'll probably elevate in elevation. I think that his communication skills will improve 
I think he'll uh, he'll find a, a more of a comfort zone with that. Um, it, it, it just it takes time. Coaches, even Nick Saban, and I said this earlier this year, I think one of the most brilliant things that Nick Saban did this year, and I made fun of him at first. Like, I didn't think it was smart that he chewed out his fans. I, I never am going to be an advocate of that. I don't think you should chew out fans that have been there for decades at a winning program, yada, yada. So when these Alabama fans are piping up now, I just go, that's nice that Nick's letting you talk finally because he shut you guys up a few weeks ago, told you to go away. So it's nice that Coach Saban is letting you talk now. But I, So I didn't like that. But what I really liked was after the Auburn game at that Iron Bowl, and, man, you could feel the tension there. I was there at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It was an incredible game. Uh, Nick Saban said, I told the guys at halftime, just have fun and don't worry about the results. I said, what is this? You're going to give out uh, Kool-Aid and cupcakes at halftime? You know, no. Nick Saban recognized that 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 style of leadership worked for this young team. He did what that team needed. Now, Kirby designs his offense, his defense around his talent. But can Kirby design his management style around that particular team's needs uh, and uh, the, their mode, right? Bryce Young, you can scream all you want at Bryce Young, and he's not going to do any better than he did the down before. In fact, he'll do better if you're more relaxed around. That's Bryce Young. you got to know how to manage your players. And it's a, it's a process. And the fact that Nick Saban could change at this stage of his career and adapt, I mean, I think you've got to be an unbelievable – psychologist as well as football coach to be at your best because it's really all about motivating knowing how to motivate your team get the most out of them knowing how to read your team and respond to what your team needs and i think that's what kirby's got to do these next two weeks he's got to get a read for his team and respond to what they need to be at their best to believe that it would be different next time he's got to put his hand on the pulse and find that and find that um, practices, you know, people are talking about this. Okay. So I talk to people that go to practices. JT looks fine in practice. It's not a matter of one guy looking that much better than the other. That's a false narrative. Now that's being thrown out there because a lot of people are kind of want to, you know, they kind of just want to be the guard, the guardian of all things, you know, well, this is why again, false information. You know, I talk to people, they tell me, that JT looks fine in practice, just like Stetson. It's not a matter of one guy outplaying the other, uh, but that protects the narrative, right? That protects, that gives you one more, you know, it, it's behind closed doors. So you can say it's all speculation, but I talk to sources that are there, and I believe those sources. So there you go. Uh, Georgia can and will start Stetson against Michigan and win. Sure they can. It'll be a smash mouth game. Uh, it'll come down to the fourth quarter. I'll tell you this, Michigan's got a really good kicker. They got good special teams. Um, it'll be who plays better that day um, for sure. And I think Georgia needs their best. I, I do think that that Georgia can beat Michigan with that. I think they could beat Alabama with Stetson. But I think their best chance is with JT. I'm on the record saying it. And the reason I think their best chance is with JT is because I think that's what a lot of the players on offense want. And I think that's who they believe in at this stage. Now, maybe things will change. And maybe my opinion's wrong, but that's that's my 100 uh, percent opinion on this. I, I, you know, I just I think people need to understand that Michigan is a really good football program and they're playing really, really good football right now. And if for Georgia to win this game, 
I'm telling you, it's going to take a really good coaching job by Kirby Smart. And I know Kirby's got it in him. I know he's got the staff. I think Georgia's got the talent to win the national title. But but Kirby's going to have to make a read on this. And, um, you know, he, he's won a lot of games. You know, he was the SEC coach of the year. And uh, I think a lot of you have a lot of respect for Kirby. I know that you guys love Georgia. You're all in. I've got respect for Georgia, certainly. I've, like I said, I've covered the team four seasons now. Uh, it's a great beat. It's an unbelievable fan base. I mean, like no other, really, really loyal. I know everybody's tore up right now. I know a lot of people hurt right now. Um, but but don't try not to divide yourself too much on the Internet. Try not to spread rumors. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, I don't know what I don't know. I only know what I think I know, but there could be things that I don't know. And I'm not just going to grab whatever narrative uh, a blogger puts out there. You know, be careful who you listen to. Um, you know, none of the media people are there firsthand. For, we all have sources. Um, you know, I trust my sources. I'm sure the other guys trust their sources. Uh, but only Kirby Smart is going to make this call. It's going to be really interesting um, to see what happens here. Yeah, some people talk for a long time and only say 10 minutes worth of things. It's because they, you know, you know, I, I can't comment on others, right? Um, to each their own. Uh, I want to give mutual respect to other people, uh, you know, that, that are in the media. It's not an easy job um, to be, you know, to sit there and, and to, to report and to be honest. Um, you know, you're going to be criticized. You guys can go to my Twitter at Mike Griffith 32 and you'll see plenty of criticism for me. Um, that's part of the deal, man. You got to have a thick skin, but you, you better have conviction with what you know and what you report and be honest when you're and be honest with, with the people you're talking to. Um, there's just, there's just no other way to do it for me. It's how I sleep at night. Um, just to give you guys my best, man. And I, again, I'm not trying to upset anybody, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, not trying to, uh, you know, tell you the sky's falling. I don't think it is. I think George is a good program, but I do think these next two weeks are absolutely critical to the future of Georgia football. And I think that Kirby's got a window for a dynasty and I think he's got to play it right. I think they need to win a national title. I think it's really important to get this national title this year. I'm not saying you can't win one next year or the year after, but I'm saying as things stand, you are holding a great hand of cards. You've got some tremendous players. you got to push the right buttons and get these guys to believe. At the end of the day, two decisions for Kirby, two things for Kirby moving forward, personnel decisions and focus. Those are the two most important things that you're going to see from Georgia in the next two weeks. I'm going to cut you guys loose. Uh, Connor Riley tomorrow night, Connor in coverage. Wednesday night, it's Jeff Centel, Centel's Intel. That should be a whale of a show. Early signing day on Wednesday. Uh, Jeff is all over that. Of course, Brandon Adams comes to you every day, 945. Uh, he, he does some things. And then Dog Nation Daily at 10. Um, I know we've got a lot of coverage planned. Uh, Kirby, I believe, will have a press conference on Wednesday. So we're going to have more material to work with what Kirby says, what Kirby doesn't say. We're all following Dan Lanning. I think everybody's a, a secondary Oregon Ducks fan now. Certainly, I wish the best for Dan. I think a lot of Dan Lanning. And, and I've always kind of had a soft spot for Oregon, those uniforms. I did cover a game up there at Outson Stadium. I saw Michigan State uh, play Marcus Mariota. I want to say it was 2015. Unbelievable game at Austin Stadium. It's not big, but they got this really unique overhang on their stadium on one side. And the noise from the field reverberates off of this overhang and back down at the loud 
And Michigan State actually thought they had artificial noisemakers in the stands. Um, I wrote that, and Oregon fans never let me forget it, that they had artificial noise, that Michigan State thought they had artificial noisemakers. They were told that uh, by Stanford. Um, I don't know if that was ever proven or disproven, but it's a loud place. And, uh, you know, I, I, my dream would be to see a team, you know, I cover go back there to Outson Stadium because it's just an awesome place to see a football game. I really hate that Georgia and Oregon didn't go home and home. As it is, we'll see Dan Lanning in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in next year's opener. So everybody have a great night. Um, enjoy your week as much as you can. I know it's, it's kind of an exciting time. You're on the edge of your seat with so much going on. Signing day, U of M coaching changes uh, you know keep your ear to the ground uh it's going to be a wild off season just know that kirby smart is a guy that's gotten you here and um uh, you know i don't think there's many better than kirby out there so very interesting to see how kirby smart handles the moment because that's where we're at everybody have a great night and i will see you later this week